one day this week we had a, a an Apple event. And did you did you watch it, Mayo? Uh, I think I, I might have tuned in, you know, for a couple of minutes. Yeah, I mean, my job was to was to write about the. I was assigned stories on the Mac Mini, iMac, and standalone display. So, what? <laughs> so I watched it. <laughs> yeah, but. yeah. I mean, we didn't get them on this event, but I don't think you can really complain. At least for the products they did announce, you know. Right. Yeah. I. I. I, I probably. I guess March now is when we're next looking at that stuff, maybe. I, I guess the Mac Mini two. update, they could do just randomly if they wanted to. But I don't know if they're going to or not. They might just save it all for like a March event or a summer event. Yeah, I think it makes sense to put all the new chips in the MacBook Pros while there's that high demand, not waste them on the Mac Minis. So. Yeah, and at least if you're waiting for a Mac Mini, you know what's going to be in them now, right? Yeah. You can just look at the chips and be, oh, well, that's the performance I'm getting, just in a, a desktop form factor. Because one thing, and before we like dive in properly, one thing I did note is that uh, Tim Cook was like saying, we're now one year in to the Apple Silicon transition that's going to take us two years, something to that effect. Yeah. And so that does finally confirm that they meant the two-year transition from when the first M1 Mac shipped, right? Because they actually announced the transition at WWC in June. Yeah. But obviously, now we're a year on the M1, they're counting that as a year. So the now upper bound on like everything being done is basically like October 2022, mm-hmm. which... So I think what will probably happen is you'll get a new round of releases in like the spring or maybe before that, right? And then at WWC, you'll get the Mac Pro and then maybe the high-end iMac if that hasn't come out already. And then those stuff will ship like before the end of, the, uh, before the end of 2022. That's my new like mental roadmap of the rest of the, the products releasing. Makes sense. Yep. Yeah. But let's get started to what they actually did announce on, on this event. Now, uh, the I thought the stagecraft and the uh, like the general theme of this one, even though there wasn't like a an actual theme right because it was just like a very abstract uh you know space i don't know warp zone you know thingamajig mm-hmm. uh i i maybe it's just because i knew what was about to be announced but i was so more amped for like this setup than what they did on the september event where they went you know the tour of california with the random music like that one didn't really play to my ears this one i was like into it and then they like doubled down with an even greater uh intro video so, you know, they do these little, like, sketches sometimes, the little intro things. Obviously, in the September event, they did, like, the concert at the beginning. Um, this time, they had another musical-focused uh, intro, but it was, like, way cooler to the to the Apple nerd sensibility, right? Sure. Because they had uh, A.G. Cook, who is a, either Tim Cook's nephew or a producer, right? Um, I like to think he's the former, but I, I, apparently he's a well-known producer uh, in, in a... Uh, in a garage or garage and obviously everyone in their garage they just have a pro display xdr and a bench so that's you know that was perfectly normal but they basically made like a a song out of apple product noises and it was fun and it was interesting and but it also kind of i think had a nice little like nod to what was about to happen because they had throwbacks right they had the imac g3 in there they had a homepod mini they had they showed the touch bar up close on a MacBook Pro. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the old MacBook with, Mac, with MagSafe. They even had an iPod Hi-Fi in there and an iPod Classic to get like the click wheel sound. And they basically just made a song out of it. And you know, I think you can hear the song in full in a YouTube video somewhere and stuff. Uh, but I was like, this is just a cool intro. And they obviously can't repeat it because if you do it twice, it gets boring. But but then they keep coming up with these new intros uh, ideas. And some of them land better than others. But I really like this one. Yeah. Yeah, it was good. I don't know about you. I, I like yeah. I like seeing the, the iPod Hi-Fi. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then uh, they kind of zoomed in on the prototype XDR that was in this guy's garage, and it just transitioned over to uh, like Tim Cook coming out in front of. I guess they're running out of angles for places where Tim Cook can stand in Apple Park, so now we had a slightly different angle, and this one was very much in the uh, uncut grass next to the Steve Jobs Theater <laughs> exterior. Uh, <laughs> I, I, this camera angle, I did think was a bit odd, just because it did look like the grass had just not been cut. Like, <laughs> I guess the I guess the lawnmower people are still working from home or something. But as soon as that image came up on the screen, it just gave me uh, Pokemon vibes. Where like you're just like Ash in the long grass yeah. running around trying to <laughs> catch a Pokemon. I just couldn't get that image out of my head. Um, so that was that was funny. Like uh, again, just like what I said in the sentiment September event. Apple wants to be doing these things back in person. You can just feel it. Uh, and hopefully next year, they'll actually be able to do it. But this is presumably the last event of the year, and they couldn't do it for this one. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, again, we have Tim Cook introducing from uh, the grassy campus of, of Apple Park. And they started off uh, with music. But first this week, Happy Hour is brought to you by Upstart. If you're carrying a credit balance month after month after month, it can feel like a never-ending cycle of debt, and Upstart can help you make that final payment so you can get ahead. The weight of debt can be crippling, but Upstart can help you on your path to financial freedom. And Upstart is the fast and easy way to pay off your debt with a personal loan done all online. Whether it's paying off credit cards, consolidating high-interest debt, or funding personal expenses, over a million people have used Upstart to get one fixed monthly payment with a clear and transparent payoff date. And rather than looking at your credit score, Upstart can consider other factors like your income, current employment, and credit history to find you a smarter rate for your loan. And you can check your rate without impacting your credit score for loans worth between $1,000 to $50,000, and it only takes minutes. You can even receive funds in as fast as one business day after accepting your loan. So you can find out how Upstart can lower your monthly payments today when you go to upstart.com slash happy hour. That's upstart.com slash happy hour. Don't forget to use our URL to let them know that we sent you. Loan amounts will be determined based on your credit, income, and certain other information provided in your loan application. One more time, go to upstart.com forward slash happy hour. Yeah, so so music as a theme, uh, I don't know about you. Uh, I had like this nanosecond long reaction of, oh my gosh, they're actually doing the 20th anniversary iPod. <laughs> <laughs> You know. I mean, my first knee-jerk reaction was like, oh, God, we got some filler. <laughs> but, uh, I, then there was the iPod uh, situation. And then, well, practically I was thinking maybe they're going to do like an iPod Touch refresh for the for Christmas or something. Yeah. Like, maybe. Uh, but no, uh, they actually didn't start with hardware at all. What they actually started was with was Apple Music, and they had Zane Lowe out to present a segment, which I think is the first time they've used Zane Lowe to actually present in one of these events um first off he was basically just introducing like new mood playlists and for like when you say you know i'm feeling happy or tell me something or you know i'm doing something in the day or show i'm working you know give me some background beats they're basically adding a bunch more load of those for different moods and activities they gave some examples like dinner party or cooking or just relaxation or like going for on a hike and i think they're all um chosen by like real people it's not algorithmic because obviously apple music has a bunch load of algorithmic players so you can use or they have uh like the ones that you know their thousands of editors or whatever 
put together on a weekly, monthly basis. And you've always been able to say to Siri, uh, you know, play a playlist for X or play a playlist for Y. But the problem is the amount of available mood playlists is pretty small. There's like, you know, uh, hanging out or relaxing or working out, that kind of stuff. And you you can say, you know, a decent range in those categories and it will find you a playlist for you. But basically now they're going to dramatically give you thousands more in of that domain, which is nice. Although I think even though like they want you to use your voice like time to do it, it's almost a bigger benefit for when you're just in the Apple Music browse tab looking at the screen and you can just go to the playlist section. You can just see a load more there that they have like nicely labeled with nice artwork because I love the Apple Music artwork hmm. and you just be able to find more more variety there right yeah I, I very much had a reaction of of wait siri can't do this already well it kind of can but like just not like the the function the, the feature exists but obviously the the catalog of playlists is smaller than what it's going to be mm-hmm. when they add these new ones right because you can do it today and it'll get like you can this i could this is just a complete guess but there's probably like 500 total right sure. And what they showed here was thousands. And it begs to be seen how flexible you can be. For instance, like, you're never going to use this feature if you say, okay, play me a playlist for, you know, playing chess. And then it just says, I don't have a playlist for you, right? Like, and, and what they big showed was basically a big word cloud of umpteen different playlists with all sorts of categories. But if you eventually sit down and try and use it for a category with your voice and it doesn't find one you're just never going to use it again right so but all those same playlists also show up in like the apple music ui when you're browsing around so it's always going to have some value um but i mean go for it if you want to add more playlists i'm i'm all down and then what this actually rolled into was this kind of bizarre uh new plan they've got for apple music which they call the apple music voice plan which basically means that you can use apple music for cheaper but you're not allowed a UI. You can only control it with your voice. So the and, and all of the, all of the music is is the voice plan. So it's all acapella <laughs> music. It's just the singing, which is pretty good. <laughs> pretty cool. Now you do get access to the full like catalog of Apple Music. So it's not just radio. Like I think when this was presented, some people confused it for like Pandora equivalent. But you, it was like ad free or something. But you can play. You can just say to it, you know, play a cheer and play this song by a cheer and play, you know, play this artist, play this album, play new music. Uh, obviously, it's intended so that you do play the radio stations or the playlist, like the playlist that it just announced. But you can access the full catalog um, if you want to. You just have to negotiate with Siri to make it happen, right? Um, yeah, I, yeah. I, I I think of this plan as um, sort of um, it, it's not HomePod only, but that if you only interact with with Apple Music through a HomePod, then this is way better of a deal. Um, and, and I, I've gifted HomePods to people in my family who pay for the $10 a month Apple music plan just so they can use Apple music on the HomePod. And this is perfect for that. It's all all of a sudden, you know, you you get 50% off for what you are already experiencing. So it's, um, I think it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Like it would probably make more sense if you could. Like set up a HomePod without needing a phone, right? Cause, yes, yeah. Because as it stands, you get a HomePod and then you bring it home, but you can't actually do anything with it until you 
pair it with your iPhone and then you set it up. Like, like if an Android person brings a HomePod home, they basically can't use it, right? Because there's no, there's no setup there. Even though you can get Apple Music on Android, you can't set up the HomePod from it. So that's where I was kind of wondering where they were going to go with it. And now it's like, you know, independent HomePod setup, but they didn't actually do that. Uh, but I think it's fine. Like Amazon has a, it, it, like some stuff exists just to get you entrapped in the world, right? Not that you're necessarily expected to use it forever. And I feel like this is kind of like that, where it's like, okay, you've never used Apple Music before, but you've bought one of these things, you brought it home, and you ask it to play some music, and it goes, well, you don't have a subscription, you can't play this right now, but do you want to start on the voice plan at only four ninety nine, And then you can go, yes, and then you use that for you know a month or so, and then you realize, okay, I actually just use this, so I'm just going to get the full Apple Music so I can use it on you know through the music app on my phone, right? Like, I don't, it's almost like a gateway drug rather than a permanent like standing point, if that makes sense. Um, that's how I see it anyway. And, and like Amazon has a similar-ish plan, which is called the like Amazon Music Single Device Plan. So on one Echo speaker or one Fire TV, you can sign up for Amazon Music, um, which is the same service, and it costs three ninety nine a month, but you only use it on that one device. So if you've got multiple HomePods, then like the Apple Music plan is a better deal, right? Because it's it's only for you individual, so one Apple ID, but you can use it across all your devices. You can across your HomePod, you can use it across your phone, you can use it across CarPlay, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but the limitation is you can only you like if you open the music app on your iPhone when you've got the voice plan, it will just tell you things that you can ask Siri to do. Like you can't get a UI in the music app itself. So, and this has like upsides and downsides, right? I think out of everything that Siri can do. Music, it's not too bad at actually doing it, but there are some weirdly named songs out there, right? <laughs> like, it's a weird yeah. artist and weird bands, especially, like, art, uh, bands that have, like, dashes and numbers in their name. I know I, I, I see Siri get stumbled on that quite a lot. If it's not one of, like... If if you're not in, like, the top 1,000 artists that are, like, popular in the world and you're going to more of the um, esoteric or, like, niche areas of the catalogue, uh, then series starts to break down a bit more because it seems like they have it pretty well like biased towards if you say something that's vaguely similar to like something in the charts it will just glom onto that but if you've got like specialist taste like maybe you're really into classical music now that apple's adding all the classical music features uh i feel like playing you know bart's last sombrero or sonnet or whatever it's called is probably gonna be a bit harder to do voice only but that's why i kind of see this as kind of like an introductory plan that you're not really expected to stay on for much longer than a few weeks. And then it's like, okay, I'll just pay the extra $5 to graduate and actually get the UI as well. Mm-hmm. And just to be clear, this is called the voice plan. The main limitation is voice only, but there are a couple of other little things like you can't do spatial audio, you can't do lossless, and you can't do music videos, and you can't do uh, lyrics either, which I guess makes sense because it's the voice plan. But you don't get spatial audio, which I guess is just the one thing that kind of stands out. But again... It's a kind of a cool feature. Apple must think somebody's going to use it because they wouldn't have bothered implementing it all otherwise. And it's coming to 17 countries, so they clearly think somebody's going to use it. But it's going to be like a, a transitory thing. That's how I regard it anyway. Um, then also in the music category, <laughs> HomePod Mini. I, I, mean, I felt so redeemed at this section <laughs> to the HomePod section because since the event uh, teaser was released the week prior, I have been telling everyone that this is going to be the HomePod event. And um, Mark Ehrman had replied on Twitter and said, well, you you work for 9to5Mac, a um, prominent Apple news uh, website, and so I believe you. (laughs) And it was like, 
<laughs> and it was like big scoop if true. And it was really just to say, um, you know, you, you might be misleading people here. And then when it happened, I was like, oh my gosh, there's, this is the HomePod event. No one can take <laughs> this away from me. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it wasn't quite the big HomePod event that we wanted, right? Like there wasn't an addition to the HomePod family. They haven't restored the big HomePod in any way. You haven't even added new features to the mini. You just get three new colors, orange, yellow, and blue. In, in addition to the uh, the white and space gray that they already have. So mm-hmm. if you wanted a slightly more colorful home mini lifestyle, you can get those in November. Uh, and I, I, I still hope they have more in the pipeline for the HomePod because <laughs> the fact that they still call it HomePod Mini, even though there's no big HomePod, is like, it just puts a big red arrow of like, please fill this product in because I still use my two big HomePods. I love them. And if they eventually die, I'd be really sad because I want something in that category and Apple doesn't make it anymore. Yeah. And then finally, in the music section, we have the new AirPods that are finally out after being rumored for like a year. And we've even seen them since like February, like full pictures of them. Uh, AirPods third generation. They essentially look like AirPods Pro, same AirPods Pro design, but they don't have silicon tips. They just, you know, sit on ear, which is great because I hate silicon tip earbuds. I know that's like an unpopular opinion, it seems, but I, I really hate how the AirPods Pro fit. I don't like other in earbuds so if i was when my airpods pro when my current airpods standard airpods die this will definitely be what i'm buying um you get spatial audio now which is nice so head tracking spatial audio uh, it's sweat and water resistant officially you get adaptive eq like the airpods pro and they actually announced a pretty boost to battery life so even though the overall design of the airpods has gotten smaller because now you have shorter stems and you've got the the same like force press sensor rather than the double tap gesture right which is uh well, they first introduced an AirPods Pro, but the original AirPods have always been the double tap thing. The Force Sensor is much better. Um, but so as well as the actual like size of the AirPods, their generation is smaller, you actually get slightly more battery life. So they said that you get six hours of listening time, and that's if spatial audio is disabled, whereas before you'd only get five hours of listening time, and you never had the option for spatial audio at all. And also you can do a quick charge, a five-minute charge for one hour of use. Uh, it has like almost identical case to the AirPods Pro. In fact, the whole things look almost identical to AirPods Pro do today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now the case actually has uh, MagSafe support as well as Qi charging. I believe you could always charge the AirPods case on a MagSafe puck, but you just right. have to like, you, you, line it up right. Is that right? You have to line it up and there's no there's no magnet side of the AirPods case, so mm-hmm. it would need to lay flat. And like I, I've got a, a charging stand that's MagSafe where the iPhone attaches to it and it's like it's like mounted up you know where it's it's kind of hovering above the table and so i couldn't put my my current airpods uh pro case on that it would just slide right off but um my 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 guess here is that there's now the magnet included on the airpods case side so i could put it um you know on something that's upright and not just flat and it would stay as well yeah it must have some sort of like little magnet basically inside it now so it like snaps to the the MagSafe pack basically and they also said they've updated the AirPods Pro with this same MagSafe compatibility um, and finally they actually made it a bit cheaper so the second generation AirPods which have been like available since March 2019 they've been on sale for $159 uh, as standard but if you wanted the wireless charging case it was $199 so they charge you $40 just for a wireless charging case right um, which is kind of ridiculous but that's what's happened but now uh, you 
the in AirPods third generation, there's no option for a non-wireless charging case. So you get AirPods third gen with wireless charging case for $179. So it's $20 cheaper than the old like AirPods wireless charging case option, which is nice. And the they still sell the AirPods second generation. They're still being sold uh, in the non-wireless charging case form. So just the, you know, you just plug in with lightning to charge uh, and they're $129. So basically they made both they made both things $20 cheaper than their equivalent counterparts before. Um, hopefully, eventually, they can get AirPods down to $99 because I just feel like that's where they should end up. But $129 is better than $149. Yeah, and you can imagine that uh, retailers that are not Apple mm-hmm. will discount those, you know, where you might see AirPods for $99. Yeah, for sure. Like Best Buy or going up to Christmas or something. They'll probably mm-hmm. be able to swing that price point. So, yeah. Okay, I, th- I think the, I think the battery life uh, trade off, you know, to disable spatial audio to get the extra hour up to six hours, that's a lot better than disabling transparency or noise cancellation on AirPods Pro to get five hours because it's four hours when either of those are enabled, and then it's five with those disabled. But AirPods Pro, if you're going to use those with with noise cancellation disabled or transparency disabled, then it's not a very good experience. You might as well just be using AirPods. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I think this, you know, to say six hours and, and all you need to do is not use special audio. That's pretty good. Yeah, and I assume you don't have to like physically turn it off. It just means if you're not listening to spatial audio content, you'll just get longer battery, right? And obviously right. if you listen to, you know, music by default, Apple Music wants you to use Dolby Atmos and stuff. And I like the special experience. So I, I would just think of them as five hour earbuds anyway. But, you know, I'm not just listening to music through earbuds, podcasts, just random YouTube videos. They're probably not going to be using spatial audio, right? So you're just getting slightly longer battery life in those situations. So it's a fine update. It's mostly what we expected. Um, and they're shipping from next week, I believe. Hey, hey! in the first uh, half a second of the AirPods uh, third generation introduction, what did you think about the color? Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about this. So in the very when they first were like introducing the airpods they did this like animation where the the airpods came from shadow off the side of the screen to the center and i'm i'm willing black airpods into existence so much that just because they're in shadow for the first frame i was like oh they're black and then they immediately came to the center and they were white as new shows like oh oh dear yeah <laughs> so, use, your, use them in the dark and they'll, they'll, they'll be black for you yeah so black airpods still an enigma um but i wish apple would make them but they haven't. Otherwise, AirPods third generation. If you like AirPods before, you'll still like them. And that was the music segment. And then we knew that we were going on moving on to uh, Mac because Tim Cook already like because he introduced it by being like we're talking about music, we're talking about the Mac. Uh, music was fine, but you know everybody everyone is getting amped up for the Mac segment, so we'll talk about that now. Happy Hour is also brought to you by Headspace. Meditation can help relieve stress and anxiety. In just a few minutes, you can change your relationship to stress and transform your life for the better. If you find your thoughts running endless circles, you should try meditation with Headspace. Meditation sounds scary and hard to get into. Our own thoughts can be confusing enough, but meditation doesn't have to be. Headspace is a convenient dose of meditation, mindfulness and sleep exercises. These programs make it easy to give you a moment to catch your breath and make time for your mental health. Sign up at headspace.com slash Mac. With science to back it up, Headspace is proving that meditation actually works. A study showed that in just two weeks, Headspace can reduce your personal stress by 14%. Headspace has sessions for every situation. 
and it really can help you feel better. If you're feeling overwhelmed, well, there's a three-minute SOS meditation for you. And if you need some help falling asleep, you can try out specific wind-down and relaxation sessions. I signed up on their website, and they do a really good job of guiding you in to the world of meditation. It's nicely designed and super easy to get started, and there's no expectation of commitment. In fact, I personally just love these little mini meditations they have, which just give you a space for a quick breath and moment of mindfulness to yourself. It's only like two or three minutes. It's like a dose of peace amongst the daily chaos of life. And it's not a complicated routine. You just follow along with the instructor with some simple breathing exercises. It's chilled and it's just relaxing. And as you get comfortable with the shorter ones, you can then explore the entire catalogue that Headspace has to offer, which features much longer meditations as well. And of course, once you've got an account, you can use the Headspace app on iPhone, Android, or on the web. So find some Headspace at headspace.com slash Mac and get one month free of their entire meditation library. This is the best Headspace offer available. So go to headspace.com slash Mac today. One more time, that's headspace.com slash Mac. Speaking of Mac... <laughs> Return uh, of the Mac. Boom, 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 boom. Yeah, this is the uh, the chip section. This is the chip section. Yeah, so mm-hmm. we basically spent twenty minutes like waiting for them to actually show the laptops while they espoused the incredibleness of their chip silicon. So, which, which by the way, can I just say, um, it, it created this humongous suspense for. Will there or will there not be a notch? And all I could—the like, <laughs> the more they put in front of the reveal of the laptops, I just could. It was it was hard to take. It was just like notch or no notch. You know, what's your guess? And <laughs> yeah, I mean, I was I was so ready for them to just like show the MacBook Pro at minute one, and then we had the delay of the music stuff, and then it was like, okay, well, it's the Mac type. Oh, okay, now we got we got to wait wade through all the chip stuff. But <laughs> the chip stuff was cool too. Let's be honest, because. Like Apple Silicon keeps delivering is definitely the the high point. So just to run through some of the specs, uh, they've got two chips now adding to the Apple Silicon lineup. They've got the M1 Pro and the M1 Max. Not really a fan of the names, but I I don't really care. Like M1 Pro, I think sounds quite cool. M1 Max sounds a bit stupid. I don't know. Like uh, especially because it's like you have the iPhone 13 Pro Max, but this is just the m1 max like it's yeah. and max sounds like mac which is also annoying well are you a professional or are you a maximum that's a question <laughs> that you have to answer here like i think they should have just called it m1 pro and then you have options to get m1 pro with you know 32 gigabytes of memory or 30 32 graphics uh gpu cores you know what i mean but they were like okay we're gonna brand them separately m1 pro m1 max. anyway the m1 pro is 200 gigs of memory bandwidth uh, 32 gigabytes of RAM, or obviously in Apple Silicon world, that's unified memory because it's shared amongst the CPU, GPU, uh, and memory. Uh, there's a 10-core CPU, which is composed of eight high-performance cores and two efficiency cores. Uh, that's a 16-core GPU, and you get ProRes encode decode blocks for hardware acceleration, just like we saw on the A15 chip. And the M1 Max doubles memory bandwidth to 400 gigabytes. You get up to 64 gigabytes of unified memory, it's interestingly the same CPU as the M1 Pro, so just for compute tasks, it's identical, but the GPU is double to 32 cores, and you get an even faster media engine because they basically have two times as many of those ProRes encode-decode blocks. And you also have a you know hardware acceleration for HEVC and everything else, that you know all the trimmers that come along with it. But at the high level, M1 Pro and M1 Max, you get the same CPU setup, but if you go Max, you get 
twice as much GPU. And the way GPUs tend to work is they scale almost linearly by number of cores. So if you have twice as many cores, it's twice as fast. With CPUs, it's not quite like that just because of the way like computers work. If you think about how operations are, like the same task quite often can't be made super parallel so it can't be shared equally among the 10 cores 12 cores or so if you go from a 10 core to a 20 core design you know you're unlikely to get double the performance it's more like you know 30 to 50 percent extra but on the gpu side the things that gpus have to do they're generally doing the same operation but just on more pixels because if there's more cores they just spread out the pixels among the cores and they can be very highly parallelized so you should essentially expect the gpu on the m1 max to be twice as good as the m1 pro and Apple had some stats to go along with this. They said the uh, CPU, which again is the same on the Pro and the Max, it's 70% faster performance than the M1, which is great because the M1 CPU was already very good. And they said the GPU on the Pro, so that's a 60-core GPU, is twice as fast as the M1. And shockingly, on the Max, it's four times as fast. Um, these chips are what we expected based on the Bloomberg coverage from earlier in the year, right? Where you kind of where Mark Gurman kind of laid out the roadmap of here's the M1, they're gonna do, you know, an M1 expanded in this way, and then in a future iMac, they're gonna do basically two times the M1 Max. So basically two M1 Maxes glued together. And then for the Mac Pro, they're gonna do four M1 Maxes glued together. Right. So if you're thinking about the future roadmap, that's what's gonna happen. Um but like these chips are Super, super good. I do. Have, I, I am curious why the they chose what they did for the CPU because the M1 is four core high performance and four core high efficiency, and this is eight high performance but only two high efficiency. So for some reason they decided they don't need the extra two high efficiency cores for the Pro models. I'd love to know like the the reasoning behind that. I'm not saying it's bad. It's just a curious like thing. And then also you do have to kind of like reiterate yourself that buying the max chip you're not getting a better cpu the the cpu is the same i guess mm-hmm. benchmark wise it's probably slightly faster because you're getting double the memory bandwidth right so it goes to 400 versus 200 but in general the computer performance is identical the the max name is just a max gpu at the end of the day with the video stuff on the side and then they did some like charts they they love these charts right where they've got like relative power versus relative performance uh, they reiterated the fact that the M1 is obviously still beating the industry on CPU, and then the M1 Pro and M1 Max have pretty much doubled the performance of the M1 across every power level uh, with less power than what a CPU would do. They showed it basically outstripping an 8-core PC laptop chip ahead uh, of the industry by a mile. You're basically not going to find a faster CPU in any other laptop because the M1 architecture is just so good on that side. On the GPU side, it gets a bit more intricate, right? So the M1 Pro, they said, is seven times faster than PC-integrated graphics. But obviously, the M1 was faster than it, or about the same as integrated graphics, right? Or, or you know, slightly faster, d- double, basically 2x integrated graphics is what the M1 was posted at, and this is seven times. Um, but what higher end laptops have, what pro laptops have, right, is they just, especially on the PC on the PC side predominantly, is they just stick big graphics cards in them as well. Apple has done this to a lesser extent. They've always been more conservative with the GPUs they put in their machines because previously they've cared about them being, you know, thin and light and not ginormous and you know not have crazy fan noise. So they put in like weaker GPUs than the PC industry 
So like the best GPU you could get in the MacBook Pro before was like a 5500M, right? Which was always, you know, ranking pretty low on the on the benchmarks of of laptops when it comes to graphics performance. Uh, but Apple here is comparing to Windows computers. They're not comparing to, you know, the kind of pioneer effort that they had before. So they compared against a standard discrete GPU, and they said that the M1 Max will beat that with higher performance and 40% less power. But then they found basically the fastest, this is their words, the fastest PC laptop they could find on the GPU side, which is, and they, they, they included the model number of it, of like the actual, so you can actually go and look it up. Because I think when they did it with the M1, they compared it to the PC industry, but they didn't give like specific models. But this time they've actually given you like a specific laptop they're comparing against. And like the laptop they're comparing against when they talk about the fastest PC laptop available, it's a tank, right? Like it's got huge fans. It's like double the thickness of what the Maverick Pros are. Like it's like ridiculous. But on raw numbers, when Apple draws this graph, the M1 Max is to the left on the chart because it's way more power efficient. But if you looked at the peak of the curve, it was less, you know, in the in the range, but still less than what the highest PC chip could perform. So on GPU side with the Max, uh, you're getting about 90% of the performance with significantly less power draw at every, at every interval. But at the very, very, very top end, you're going to be able to find still find Windows laptops that are faster on raw GPU performance. Like, the M1 Max is up there, don't get me wrong. Like, it's not, like, terrible by any means. It's really good. But if, you, if you're finding those really, like, thick, fan-heavy Windows laptops that last, like, three hours on battery, maybe even less, mm-hmm. you can buy a Windows laptop that is faster than the M1 Max. It's not like the CPU situation where the M1 architecture is just way ahead of everything. It's still great, and the performance per watt is ridiculous, right? But on raw power, you can find faster uh, GPUs elsewhere. And I'm sure this is going to be like a headline when these reviews come out, like next week or something. It'll be like, Apple touted how good the M1 chip, the M1 Pro and M1 Max are, but here's this Windows laptop that beats it, you know, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, that's going to happen, but for at least what I care about, like, the GPU is more than capable, right? So uh, it, doesn't, it doesn't bother me in the slightest. And again, this is only the first generation of Apple doing pro-level Apple Silicon chips, right? So when they rev it with the M2 Pro and the M2 Max, they'll, you know, be even better, I'm sure. But this is where we are today. CPU, ahead of the industry by a mile. GPU, competitive with the highest offerings in the Windows land and done at lower performance per watt by a mile. And Apple even said, like, if you go onto battery power, a lot of the PC laptops, uh, they have to cut their performance profile because they need being plugged in to be able to drive the GPUs. But apparently... The performance, uh, the GPU performance of the M1 Pro and the M1 Max, it doesn't change whether you're on battery or plugged in. So if you're comparing on battery, the M1 Pro and M1 Max chips will trounce everything else. Was there anything specific that you found like interesting in the chip section? Um, well, I just recall during the event when they did the M1 Pro section, it was before they even hinted at the M1 uh, Max chip existing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, it, you know, it, at first, there was like a short reaction I, I saw from people watching of what only only you know these specs, but then of course we we expected that there'd be a higher beefier chip, and, and then we got that, so that was fun. Yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, I, I'd say the chips are because these chips have been rumored like left, right, and center. I think they've landed about where we expected them to. Uh, it's just great that they've been able to deliver them at the end of the day, right? And I think. You know, if COVID hadn't happened, if stuff hadn't happened, these probably would have been out 
slightly sooner, maybe like the summer rather than the fall, but they're still perfectly fine. They're great. They're fast. Uh, I kind of wish the Max did have more CPU cores because like ultimately for what I'm doing in terms of like programming, uh, I prefer like if the upgrade was on the CPU side, not the GPU side, but the 10 core system is more than powerful enough than they said it's like twice as fast as the highest spec i9 uh 16 MacBook pro so you know it's, it's way 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 powerful enough for everybody's needs and it's leading the industry by a mile um then they switched to uh craig federighi he got his five minutes of fame to basically talk about uh, mac os for you know a few minutes uh he said that logic pro he basically he basically re first off recapped like everything they said at the m1 event a year ago for everybody that wasn't paying attention <laughs> about like instant wake and you know secure boot and all that stuff uh but then he also mentioned on the software side that uh, logic pro is adding uh spatial audio mixing capabilities uh final cut pro is getting object tracking and of course all this stuff is super amped up by the m1 pro and the m1 max chip one comment i would say about pacing of this event is that you know they were happy to spend five minutes maybe more looking at homepod mini colors including like a special video but then they had craig come out for this monterey section and they couldn't spare like 30 seconds just to say the monterey release date which is monday but why can they mention that in the slide i don't know when they can spend five minutes talking about home mini colors that's a weird a weird situation but anyway that's what happened it, it, because the video was uh produced a while ago and they didn't know yet yeah <laughs> <laughs> if they weren't sure if it's gonna ship next week yeah yeah, uh, if it was same a live with, event, they would know. Yeah, same with like the iOS release dates. I feel like they could have met, just waited one minute to tell us those dates, but obviously they didn't. Uh, and then Craig trotted out uh, off again, and we got the introduction of the actual laptops themselves. But before we talk about the fantastic new MacBook Pro, Happy Hour This Week is also sponsored by BetterHelp. It's been a stressful time, and if you feel strained or just not as happy as you do normally. You might want someone to talk to. If there's something preventing you from achieving your goals, you just want to talk to someone who is trained about mental health and lifestyle. And BetterHelp is quite literally here to help. It lets you get that that conversation from the comfort of your own home. BetterHelp will assess your needs to match you with a licensed professional therapist tailored to helping your personal well-being. And you can connect in a safe and crucially private online environment. And after signing up, you can start communicating to a therapist in under 48 hours. And this is not run-of-the-mill self-help. This is professional counselling done securely online. And you can access counsellors specialised in all sorts of areas like stress, anger, relationships, depression, sleep, and much more. And you can start a conversation with a therapist at your convenience, and you just send them a message at any time. The therapist will respond in a timely basis. And you can schedule sessions like weekly video chats or phone calls if you want something even more personal. BetterHelp is more affordable than traditional offline counselling and financial aid options are available. And of course, everything that you talk about is 100% private and confidential. So start living a happier life today. As a listener to this show, you can get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash hour. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health Again, that's BetterHelp, spelled B-E-T-T-E-R-H-E-L-P dot com slash Mac Happy Hour. BetterHelp dot com slash Mac Happy Hour. Thanks to BetterHelp for sponsoring the show. Okay, MacBook Pro. This this was the music and Mac event. 
Um, we went through music, we went through chips, and then they, I don't know how you felt during this section, but they showed they showed the MacBook Pro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was so ready. I was like, I had the I had the music pumping through my HomePod cabin speakers. It was going great. I was like, just show me the laptop. Let's just get this out of the way. Let's just do it, right? And I'm pretty sure they delivered. So they obviously introduced a 14-inch and a 16-inch model. They've revamped the thermal system so that you can get uh, up to 50% more airflow, uh, especially at lower fan speeds. And they claim that if you're doing everyday tasks, the M1 Pro and the M1 Max are efficient enough that the fans won't even have to turn on for that sort of thing. And obviously, we've seen that play out uh, in the M1 side. So fingers crossed that same thing will uh, follow across here. Only when you're doing something more strenuous should that you actually hear any fan noise at all. Um, and then they brought out uh, Shruti Haldia, basically to tell us about everything that Apple had backtracked on. Because if anything, this laptop is a complete uh, renouncement of the philosophy of the 2016 generation, right? Because all the ports are back, right? Uh, it starts with the fact that they got rid of the touch bar. And not only did they get rid of the touch bar, they actually, you know, went out of their way to say it, right? Like, because Apple's usual strategy when they do something wrong and they backtrack is they just tell you the new thing as if the old thing never existed, right? They're like, this new way is just so good and look at this way and it's, you know, way way better than than anything else in the industry. But this time they were like, straight up, we're bringing you physical key function row to replace the touch bar. They, they literally said the words touch bar, which was pretty crazy. Um, and I think it was kind of good, like, especially for the pro market. Obviously, they've angered a lot of people with the design choices that they made uh, and the and the keyboard fiasco. And so having someone in a, you know, pro-focused event just being acknowledging directly that, yeah, okay, we, we, we're sorry. Like, they don't say we're sorry, but <laughs> by acknowledging the past, they're at least being way closer to that than pretending like they never did a foot wrong and just saying the future, right? Which is their general their general strategy. So I thought that was nice. Um, the keyboard is now, uh, like... The keyboard, I don't know what you would call it, like the, the gaps between the keys, like the well where the keyboard sits in, they've now made that all black. So you've got like a silver enclosure, but then the keyboard areas is this like black island in the middle. Yeah, it's like, it's like what color do you want your MacBook to be? Okay, well, we're, we're going to do that with the keyboard area. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can you not? That black's cool, right? Yeah, but could you just like squeeze it out so it like filled the entire laptop not just the keyboard <laughs> island but um that'd be like one of my m- primary wishes the next time i'm due for a mac for a mac upgrade right like in five years or whatever just take that black anodization and stretch it out so it covers the entire laptop because i've actually seen some people um say that the black like keyboard island looks ugly i think it's fine like and it actually it kind of looks like some of the older laptops apple used to make like 10 years ago or whatever um, I would obviously prefer if the whole thing was black, but if they're going to make the keyboard well black, I'm uh, I'm happy with it. I don't think it looks bad. I just p- prefer if the whole thing was black. Um, yeah, and I, I had the thought that um, this is like their their way of, um, you, you know, when we used to have the full height left and arrow uh, arrow keys for left and right, and and it looked better, but functionally it was frustrating. Um, and, and then they moved back to half height, which gave you kind of that that big splash part of 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 aluminum uncolored or, or silver space gray and this creates the illusion that the keyboard is one symmetrical layout even though it's 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 not 
Um, so they, they sort of achieve that um, visual without compromise, which is a big theme of this computer. Yeah, for sure. And touch bar being gone, obviously we expected it. Um, I don't think we need to rehash every like every opinion and every on every change that we've already spoke you know spoke about for the entire of the year. But again, I use the touch bar right now for like brightness and volume, and I basically don't use it for anything else. So the nice convenience of being able to like slide to change the volume is going to be gone when I get this new laptop. But I'll live with it. Like the function key change is definitely something that other I was basically ambivalent to touch bar. If it was there, I'd use it. If it wasn't, I wasn't going to be mad about it, right? Because I wasn't using any of the dynamic features. I wasn't using it to pick emoji or, you know, text correction. I was just using it as a nice shortcut to change volume and brightness by sliding my finger. But I guess I'll have to go back to the incredible uh, primitive method of holding down a volume button. But I, I, I liked Touch Bar a lot when it was brand new. And I'd say for the first half of its life. And when the rumor was that they were going to remove it from this Mac Pro... I wasn't crazy about that because it just seemed like there's potential here and maybe add haptic feedback to it. Like you, you know, would, would feel quote unquote the, 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 the buttons and um, I don't know, make it a little bit bigger so you can do more with it. One of my favorite things was in, in logic, you know, there would be things that you can do with a keyboard shortcut, but it would be buttons on the screen um, of the touch bar. And so that was, I was sort of learning logic that way. I, I, w- I would see the, the the icons first and say, "I wonder how you do this with with a with a keyboard." You know, if I'm at the iMac and don't have the these these you know pictures in front of me. Um, and, and and then the other thing is, um, emoji was one of the like the neat ways to, to use Touch Bar. But I I did find that the more emoji were added, the harder it was to find the one you wanted mm-hmm. without like a million swipes. So that wasn't great. Tap back was really good, but it's 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 hard to say. The pro machines have a touch bar, so you can use tap back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's not quite the vision they had for it, um, and it almost seems like it's it's more like in its current form, or even if it had a future, it would be more consumery than professional. And that it's the consumers that don't care about having a physical escape key, which they added back to the MacBook Pros with touch bar, um, but but things like that, that it's more it's more friendly for um, you know people that don't spend two grand on a laptop. Uh, but uh, I, I guess the, the reality is the economics of it is that it costs more to make a touch bar than it does to make the function keys. And then there's, I think the unfortunate part is that it had the initial um, release, but you know, when we, when we saw a new version of Mac OS each year, it was okay. Well, th- they didn't do a year two version of touch bar <laughs> in terms of software features. Like, yeah, they never made it better software. What's up with that? And then it was like, okay, year three, yeah, Touch Bar is dead in the water. Just, you know, it, it's as good as it's ever going to get. Um, and and that's that's too bad. But um, it, I, I know a lot of people are happy about this, so I uh, can't complain. Yeah, like it cost Apple clearly a lot of money to put in the machines, and most people didn't want it. So it was like, you know, doing that calculus that Apple was spending money, Apple was increasing the price of the laptop, but, you know, ultimately for something that people didn't want. So it didn't really the calculus didn't work out. I was, I was thinking about. Um, do you remember before the laptop in 2016 was announced? Uh, Ming Chi Kuo had you know basically the the story of this, this touch surface on the touch strip. I think is what we would call it mm-hmm. um, before it was announced, and it was so intriguing. It's like, oh, what are they going to do with that? You know, and 
it's, 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 that's kind of the idea where, you know, in, in theory, there's potential there. You think, well, the, the beauty of an iPhone is that the keyboard isn't always there. It, it can change to be any other element visually. Um, apply that to a Mac and what do you get? And it, it was just n- never enough. <laughs> so, I mean, the big difference between like an iPhone and a touch bar is that you're looking at the iPhone screen all the time. Like mm-hmm. for me, the touch bar is, I, I touch type, right? Like most pros do. And so when you're touch typing, you're not looking down, so you're never seeing it. So it doesn't matter if UI is changing on the touch bar because you're never going to see it. You're never going to look down to to bother, and and that's why it was almost more of a consumer feature from the very beginning. Because you know people that buy cheaper laptops are generally the ones that aren't accustomed to it. And even though this is rapidly changing, as you know, kids grow up on laptops and keyboards and stuff, but a lot of people can't touch type, so they look down at the keyboard to type, and then they, then they see like the text suggestions on the touch bar or the other buttons there, and then they'd actually use them more often. But for pros, pros are typing uh, like looking straight ahead; they're not looking down almost unilaterally and so the touch bar had essentially no use for those cases and that's why personally i only have used it for volume and brightness because i'd built up muscle memory to know if i put my finger back here i'm going to be on the volume button or i'm going to be on the brightness button i can just slide right the, all the stuff that was moving around when you switch between apps and everything dynamic i could never ingrain that into my head to use it because i'd never see it uh and so touch in mac os like part of the reason i think they did the touch bar was like a a counter to like the Windows touchscreen argument, right? It's like, yeah, me too. We, look, we're going to add touchscreen to the Mac, but we're going to do it in the way that makes sense by putting it on the bottom rather than on the screen. And, you know, in hindsight, it didn't pan out. Um, are they going to one day do a Mac laptop with an actual touchscreen? Maybe. Maybe they'll have another attempt at putting a, some sort of touch surface on a keyboard. But, like, because in the, in the wake of this event, I had a few people tweet at me like, well, why did they have to get rid of the touch bar? Why couldn't they have had a touch bar? And function keys, right? So then you have the best of both worlds. You've got a touch bar and you've got physical keys you can press. And like, yeah, they could have done that. But at some point, the costs ramp up, the costs stack up. And I think ultimately, this computer, as much as it's great in performance, sort of a statement, look, we're listening to the wider community and most of the community hated the touch bar, so it's gone. And they didn't want to cause a controversy about it still being there. Maybe you could accidentally brush it with your fingers, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. So it's just gone altogether. Why they maybe go back to the drawing board and think of something else like, if they want dynamic keys in the long term future, maybe they can make each each key its like dynamic screen, so you could change the keys to show different things, but still have physical keys that you can depress. Uh, but all that stuff's like, you know, on the five year time frame, it's not on the near term. So they just did the obvious thing, which is just to kill it entirely. Yeah. So so for me, I kind of put it in the same category as three uh, D touch and mm-hmm. force touch, where they they which I think they put way more effort into than the touch bar. I mean, yeah, because the 3D touch was an iPhone feature, right? It was way yeah. more... Like, if you if you do a ranking of things Apple has backtracked on in terms of new features, in terms of importance, 3D touch is way ahead of the touch bar just because it was on the iPhone. And it was basically, like, the sales feature of the iPhone 6S, right? Like, right, yeah. What, what can you think of the 6S generation apart from 3D touch? Like, I can't think of anything else offhand. Came in gold, I think, rose gold. <laughs> <laughs> and it was, and it was, you know, one of the input methods for revealing user interface on the Apple Watch, you know. And and when it went away, we got better battery life, <laughs> and there were no more hidden user interface. You know, it was you, you've got ninety percent of the function without the feature there. Um, and you know, I think Touch Bar is similar to that. You're going to have most of of what you had before. Um, just in a way that that people like more. <laughs> yeah, and I think maybe a bit like some form of touchscreen experience for the Mac is 
probably inevitable eventually in some form, uh, even if Apple doesn't want to admit to itself today. Uh, like, uh, you know, obviously a lot of other people I know have Windows computers and they all have touchscreens because that's just what happens nowadays. All the Windows computers get touchscreens. And they they rarely use them, but sometimes they just want to like scroll a web page, and rather than like using the trackpad or whatever, they just want to you know flick it with their finger. So I think it has some limited utility, and maybe one day Apple will do it too. But clearly, touchscreens aren't like a a must have feature because otherwise they would have already done it, and they're clearly not that right. And I'm going to buy this laptop regardless of it got a touchscreen or not, as is everybody that's buying a Mac at the moment. So it's not on the top of the priority list, but I wouldn't say it's a impossibility either. Um, so that's the touch bar. And then on the uh, port side, uh, the direct quote is, having a wide range of ports can make life a lot easier for pros. Uh, <laughs> again, obviously a direct backtrack of the uh, 2016 kind of philosophy, which was, we'll give you four ports, but they're all USB-C Thunderbolt things, which can theoretically do everything that dedicated ports can do and more, but you're going to need adapters and dongles with the way along. And Apple hoped that by doing the 2016 MacBook Pro, they would get more take-up of direct Thunderbolt and USB-C accessories. Maybe it was misjudged at the time, but we're, we're zooming the present day, and I think they were shown to be wrong in that a lot of stuff still requires direct ports, right? Like, I, I think there's some argument they could even put a USB-A port on the thing and it would still be of, of value, right? But they're not going to do that. I don't think they should do that. But if they did, I don't think it would have been like out of place based on their philosophy of bringing these back, right? Because you've got H- now you've got, on the right side, you've got HDMI, You've got an SD card slot and you've got one Thunderbolt 4 port. And then on the left-hand side, you've got the headphone jack. And you've got two Thunderbolt 4 ports and you've got MagSafe for charging. Now, I personally, you know, my problems with the 26th generation fundamentally were about the keyboard, right? Keyboard is by far number one problem. The port change I adapted to incredibly quickly because I moved to a dock lifestyle because I used my laptop sitting down at a desk. So now I plug in one cable and I just connect to a Thunderbolt dock that does everything, including power. That was fantastic. It made it way more convenient. But, you know, I'm not the only person buying these laptops. And if you go out to the wider world, clearly a lot of people still have demand for HDMI, especially when we were, everyone was in offices and stuff, because every office you go into it has like a projector or it has a TV and you want to do a slide presentation. And oh, what have they got? They've, got, they've all got HDMI, right? They don't have AirPlay necessarily or a USB-C thing. So either you walk around the office holding dongles or you have a laptop that just has the port in- integrated into it then you can use it directly so I, I i have no problem with them adding hdmi back even though i'm personally not going to use it sd card slot i don't know like again i'm not really the market so i don't want to be like oh this is stupid uh, and it sits on the side of the laptop to basically no harm but when you just look at the pictures i'm like if i had my macbook pro like custom built I wouldn't have a SD card slot in it. Do you know what I mean? Like, what what ports would you have on yours? I'd have. Well, if if I'm allowed to, I'd have four Thunderbolt ports and HDMI because very rarely I might use the HDMI port, like when I go to Nana's or something. Mm-hmm. Um, not at home, but maybe when I'm you know traveling somewhere. And then if I wasn't allowed to have four Thunderbolt ports plus HDMI, I'd drop the HDMI and just have <laughs> the same port setup as what I used to have. If that makes sense. Okay. Because. Yeah. And I know I'm, I'm maybe I'm the minority. I don't think I'm necessarily in the minority because I think a lot of people that use the laptop as the desktop situation have moved to a dock lifestyle and it's way better than the old situation where you had to have like power plugged in and display plugged in and all this other stuff. Um, but if you're using your laptop as a more mobile machine, especially if you're taking it to work and back, right? 
I understand that ports are more important. And SD card, if especially if you're doing photo or video work, even though you know some proportion of high end cameras have moved to like the compact flash cards, I still think a lot of them use SD card in one form or another. So they've obviously, and Apple obviously has much better insight into the population of their people buying their computers than just me. So clearly they found a, enough people wanted it. So now it's back again. And I remember when the 2016s first came out, you were definitely a big proponent of SD card slot. So I assume you're happy that it's back. Yes. Yeah. I mean, uh, uh, at the time I was using um, a Sony mirrorless camera that used SD. And um, so it was very valuable to me to be able to just pop the card in there. Like you could in the last, you know, several versions of the MacBook pro um, and even, even last year I was using a different, uh, camera from Canon that would use SD and it's the same thing. It's like, if you use a camera that uses an SD card, having an SD card slot on your Mac is really nice. Um, even if you use something that uses micro SD and you've got to keep up with the adapter to, to make it full size SD, it's still better than keeping up with the adapter to give you SD in the first place. Um, just because you tend to have that all with your, your gear, you know, whether it's for a drone or, or whatever. Um, so of HDMI and SD card, I, I see SD card as, as way more for sort of how they market their MacBook pros, you know, to photographers and videographers. And, and it can be more than just um, that there are other ways to use SD cards, but I think that's a, that's a, a really popular way to use SD cards and, and these machines um, for HDMI. I thought it was cool when, the, when the, the last computer before the 2016 had HDMI, I never owned one and I've never had sort of that, that use for it. But um, so, so I can't speak to the, its utility, but um, I can't, I can't, I can imagine, you know, that there's scenarios where, you plug it into a TV while you're traveling and, and watch, you know, that's your video, you know, player basically. Um, or all the ways that professionals, you know, they plug into a projector, they plug into a TV to, to do a presentation, you know, that, that all makes perfect sense. Um, so, so, uh, but the, the thing with SD card is that there was so many times where Apple, specifically Phil Schiller and his capacity as VP of marketing, was asked about SD card or whatever come back. And, um, you know, at first he said it was cumbersome and that it was just, <laughs> just, just I, I, I think it was like in the spirit of user iPhone to take pictures and it's all automatic and wireless and in the cloud and on your computer. Um, but like he's a photographer too. So he, he's someone who would, you know, take an SD card and put it in the computer and, so I, I never got the cumbersome thing. I mean, it's way more cumbersome to have an adapter. And I ended up replacing my first SD card reader um, because it wore out. It, it, you know, it bent in the wrong way too many times and then it was done. Um, and, and so the, the cumbersome argument was always just like, take the weakness and, and use it to make it your argument when, you know, the reality is it's more cumbersome to use an adapter <laughs> if you're using SD card. Um, and, and so I didn't, I, I never cared for that, uh, argument. Um, you know, and if you don't use SD card, then it's not going to bother you unless you just really adamant that you, you believe you would have got a, a, a fourth USB-C port out of it. Right. Um, which 
you know, in all these cases, I I think I think I think it's hard to make that case that the, the the limitation here is one additional port of another kind. Like I think the trade offs they made are fine, right? And I'm not going to be impacted by it because as I'm going to carry on using my Thunderbolt dock. And I'm going to carry on using one of the Thunderbolt ports, right? So the fact that I've lost one on one side of the machine basically doesn't matter. And I'm pretty sure the vast population of people that buy this laptop will be much better off by adding, you know, either using HDMI or SD card slot in the favor of that one port. Because also you have to remember that if you're not using a dock, one of those Thunderbolt ports is being used exclusively for power, right? So you're basically using up one of your ports for power. But now on these laptops, you've got MagSafe back again. So if you're going to be using, you've got your power connector and then you've got your other three Thunderbolt ports like you would have had before, right? So the only way you're kind of like worse off is if you actually used all four uh, Thunderbolt ports for something that required like full Thunderbolt for bandwidth, i.e. you're not just using one of the ports as a display output, you're actually using it for like, I don't know, like 10 gig networking or like a massive super fast external SSD or something of that nature times by four, which I think is a very, very rare occurrence. Hmm. Um, uh, but I'm sure there's some people out there, but uh, maybe they can get away with using a dock or a dongle or something. I know it's one of the cases where, like, if you're plugging into an LG Ultrafine, you can't get Thunderbolt um, daisy chaining on the LG Ultrafine, right? Um, which kind of sucks. But if Apple made a monitor, they could fix that problem. Uh, but they, they <laughs> haven't yet. Um, and then also, just to, which is funny, the headphone jack, they even credit the headphone jack is now being upgraded to support higher impedance headphones. So if you've got some fancy headphones... Uh, the amp inside the laptop will be able to power more of them directly, which is nice. Mm-hmm. And then on the display situation, this is probably one of the biggest limitations of the M1 generation, which is the fact that you could only use one external display on the laptops. Uh, well, now they've upped that. So on the M1 Pro machines, you can connect two external displays up to 6K resolution. So you can have two Pro Display XDRs if you want to burn $12,000. Um or if you've got an M1 Max, you can connect three external displays if you want to burn $18,000 and have up to 6K a Pro Display XDR times three, and also a 4K TV, because in that configuration, you'd have a Pro Display XDR hanging off each of the Thunderbolt ports, and then you plug a 4K TV in through the HDMI port. So uh, M1 Pro can do two external displays, M1 Max can do basically up to four. Um, yeah, that's that's how I work, is with three uh, Pro Display XDRs in <laughs> <laughs> at a coffee shop. I mean... I'm not going to buy Pro Display XDRs, but if Apple does bring out a monitor, I c- I'd definitely be using at least two. Probably, I'd probably buy two of them, dual wield them or something. So, mm-hmm. I mean, right now I only have one external, but that's never been like a. I only want to use one external display. It's just been that's what I just don't want to buy more displays until Apple makes a nice new one or something, or, or like there's a better like five K option. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm happy they've got the flexibility there now. Uh, that's the that's the port situation. Basically, people are happy because the ports they want are now are now back, and it's hard to argue with the lack of dropping one Thunderbolt port for everything else, I/O wise yeah, coming back. Are there well, a couple of thoughts I've got before mm-hmm. we move on. Um, if if I were purchasing a new camera now, and this MacBook exists, then I like part of the buying criteria would be that it uses SD card and not CF card. Um, before it would be like don't don't care whichever one it uses, I'll just use an adapter or use the cable that, that connects into USB-C. Um, so the, the fact that it's, that it's in the machine again makes that part of my buying criteria for a camera again, which, you know, is kind of Apple, Apple embraces SD and this is a faster SD. I think it's, what is it? UHS 
2, and uh, which is much faster than what was in the, the previous version of SD card slot reader on the on the machine. Yeah, it's not the. I think the fastest SD card format available is is US is UHS three, and this is UHS two. So you get basically three hundred mega megabyte per second read speeds versus like six hundred if they use like the latest latest gen. But the old MacBook Pros had like the USH one standard, which was like one hundred megabytes. So yeah, three hundred megabytes per second is, uh, is still pretty damn fast. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um. And then other than that, you know, and I know we didn't get Ethernet back, which is a big connector. Um, and when I look at Ethernet on a, on any machine, I'm thinking like, what do you looks like a telephone jack to me now after not using it so much? Um, I use Ethernet on my laptop, but yeah, I do it via the dock, right? I have the the, the dock on the table, the Ethernet plugs into the dock, and then the 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 Thunderbolt cable plugs into the in into the laptop. So. Mm-hmm. Yep. I don't think they need to bring Ethernet back on board directly. I think it'd be stupid. But with all that being said, are there any ports that, you know, we're back to the 2015 ports six years later. Are there any ports that have come about since then that would be fit for a Mac? Because, it, you know, a lot mm. of the a lot of the reaction is, you know, they've gone back to the, what there was six years ago. So there's not progress. It's just a return to this what was good. Um and and we did see, you know, between generations, they added HDMI, you know, they got rid of Ethernet. Um, that The HDMI on this machine is is 2.0, not 2.1. So some people are a bit mad that you're not even going to do 120 FPS out of the HDMI port. But yeah. the role of the HDMI port is connecting to, like, TVs and projectors in offices, right? Like, I don't think the, the 120 limitations can be a problem because if you do want to do 120 output, you can just use one of the Thunderbolt ports. Sure, yeah. Yep, Uh just thinking of your of your dock that you use, is there anything on your dock that that you use frequently that besides Ethernet that I mean, works? I I have USB A ports on the mm-hmm. dock that are used, but that's only because the the dock has them. Like if if the dock only had USB C ports, I would have just bought USB C cables on the other end of them. If you see what I mean, mm-hmm. um, there's nothing. Uh, I, there's nothing specifically different. It's headphone jack, SD card. USB A, USB C, uh, second display output, and Ethernet is basically what the dock offers. And I don't really use the SD card or the headphone jack on it. So there's nothing like new that's like begging to be added, unless you're talking about Ethernet, I guess. Yeah, I, I think for me, my answer would probably be in addition to SD uh, micro SD because my the, the Thunderbolt dock that I used before had that, and and it was definitely convenient to put the, the very tiny SD card into the very tiny slot versus, you know, put it in the adapter and then put it into the dock. Um, although I did get in the habit of just using a USB cable <laughs> instead of the, the, the slot. I like plugging uh, the camera in with the cable. Yeah. And the kind of benefit there was the camera was charging too while I was um, transferring photos, but um, th- that would be it. And, but I, I don't know if that's very common on laptops. Of course it was never on a MacBook pro before, um, I just found that it was useful for um, that dock, but um, you know, it, it isn't like you've got to use a, a, a dongle to go from USB C to micro SD. You know, you can, you can use, you could, um, and, and for like really cheap, you can get an, an adapter that that's USB C or USB A. Uh, either way, that has CF, SD, and S, uh, S, mini SD, so uh, or micro SD. So it isn't like those are hard problems to solve. Um, they. They did the obvious thing here, which you know, which leaked earlier this year, but it still seemed kind of unbelievable until they showed it <laughs> off for real. 
Do you think they're going to bring ports back to other models? Because now they've done it on this one, like they're saying that oh, our customers want ports, but like the HDMI cut, the HDMI uh, port, the the convenience of that is no different for pros than it is for main consumers. Because you know, normal consumers take their laptops into the office as well. So should like the MacBook Pro 13 inch get HD, HDMI port maybe down the road? Mm. <laughs> I, I, I kind of like the distinction of having, if it's a pro product, having more ports. And then if it's not, it, then it's kind of that vision that they had in 2016, which is, you know, in... in but it can't just be them. pros complaining at the dongles, right? Surely people buying the, the cheaper computers are also complaining that they need adapters to plug into their screens. And I, stuff. I, think, I think that uh, over time will be resolved by MacBook Pro prices coming below $2,000. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, the 13 inch with touch bar, that still exists. And that, that's really just, uh, we, we still have those and it's a price point that's significantly lower than $2,000. And so, um, it, over time, over, you know, the next couple of years, I think we'll see $2,000 not be the lowest price for a MacBook pro. And then it's, it's, then you can decide, you know, for $500 more, you get these ports. Are you really, you know, are you a college student or do you work in an office environment or, you know, are, are you the professional that Apple markets these to, you know, um, then, then I, I think that gets resolved by price. Uh, and, and then, and if it does, then it's way easier to decipher the difference in a MacBook Air and a MacBook Pro, you know, MacBook Air is sleek and light and it's got a lot of battery life because you're not um, buying in on the performance um, ceiling, you know, you still have a high floor for performance, but you um, aren't worried about it slowing down. Uh, and then on the MacBook Pro, you say, well, I value the performance more than anything and you don't have as good of battery life, but you've got more uh, performance and, 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 and then, the, then they can say, you know, ports are for pros and <laughs> the sleek design is, is for, you know, our consumers. Uh, and then you just decide which one you fit into. But right now it's just so blatantly, um, you know, weird that it's it's pros or ports because I think the the, the two thousand dollar price starting price in, in the first version of these is, is um, you know you don't you don't say like well a thousand dollars I can get a MacBook Air but I really want an SD card slot so a thousand dollars yeah so anyway that's the port situation doesn't impact me as much as it does you know other people that I listen to a lot and respect so I'm happy that they can all be happy now and not complain about this every single time there's a MacBook Pro update. What I do care about more is the display. And they had a big section on this in the presentation because there are a multitude of display updates, starting with the bezels. So they've slimmed down the side bezels to three and a half millimeters. That's 25% thinner. They've slimmed up the top bezel uh, by 60%. uh, Albeit, obviously, the notch, which remains the same height as the old bezel. Um, and now the screen has higher resolution. We're getting native to scaling again. Fantastic. Uh, the actual, the, the PPI has gone up so much that the resolution of the 14 inch is higher than the old 16 inch resolution, which is kind of hilarious. And the 16 inch resolution is now 3456 by 2234, which is great. And this was the biggest surprise of the whole event, I'd say. The MacBooks have ProMotion. And when they first brought up the ProMotion slide, I was like, oh, okay, they're going to do the efficiency thing where, you know, it adapts between 24 and 48 and 60 for, for battery saving. 
But they were like, nope, 24 all the way up to 120. And that was easily like the biggest surprise of the day. And it made me so, so happy because I wasn't expecting to get promotion this year on the laptops. But here it is. And so this display is kind of amazing because you have high density resolution, you have thin bezels, you have ProMotion. And of course, it's mini LED. So you're getting that like, you know, million to one contrast ratio with the 600 nit peak brightness and stuff and a thousand nit sustained. Um, I mean, I couldn't really complain against this screen in terms of quality, in terms of bezel size. Of course, the obvious, like, niggle is the notch situation. Like, oh, I mean, what can you say? Like, I prefer if the notch wasn't there, <laughs> but hmm. it's there. It's okay. I'm not, I, I do think it looks slightly too big for the fact that it only has a webcam in there. Mm-hmm. And obviously, like the light sensor, like it seems pretty big of a cutout for just a camera and not like a face ID sensor stuff. But for everything else I'm gaining, especially the promotion side, like I can't complain really, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, it makes me wonder, <laughs> you know, the, the Pro Display XDR has no webcam. You you had to add it to it. Um, that's, I think that's, that's more ideal for a stationary monitor that you don't, move around and so if we had to go to the days of adding a webcam to the macbook pro um that would there would probably be more complaints about there being a uniform bezel even that's this thin and no notch if it had no webcam um that that, i i think that but i'm not sure but i definitely had to ask myself what i prefer a webcam built in or uh you know, dealing, living with a notch. And I guess the, the way they've handled it in the OS and the way that the screen ratio is 16 by 10 without considering the space on either side of the notch, then um, it's, it's less of a, of a, of a, of an issue of a trade-off. You know, you, you, you kind of look at the extra space on either side of it as um, just less bezel and not more screen. Um, but uh, I don't know. I, I could definitely see people like people who put tape over their webcam, and never use it. Then it's just tape over the notch, you know. And I, I feel like you know. It, it, of course, there's there's not this world where you can do a custom build of the machine. But if you were designing this for yourself, the way that you mentioned that you you'd favor USB C Thunderbolt ports over some of the some of the ports, then um, it it's a trade off. And Apple has to make a decision on this. And mm-hmm. um, I I. I I, one thing I do believe is if they never did the iPhone 10 notch and, you know, that became on every iPhone, that they never would have considered doing this on the Mac. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's only because the iPhone exists. Um, you know, and, and the rumor broke over the uh, over the, the weekend, you know, about Thursday, Friday, um, seemed pretty unbelievable because we just didn't didn't think you know, why why would they do that? And if there's no face ID, then especially why would they do that? And we know that there's things under there besides the webcam, you know, for true tone and for detecting ambient light, so you can change the screen brightness and keyboard brightness. Um, but uh, def- de- it's uh, <laughs> you know, if these Mac Macs weren't so good in every other way, I think it'd be a bigger issue. Mm-hmm. But if that's the worst thing about these Macs, then that, that's pretty good. Yeah, like, I don't mind the idea of having a notch there when the other bezels are so thin, right? And I do like, I love the effect where the corners of the screen, like, trace the device shape, the device chassis, right? And so by having thin bezels, they've curved the top left and top right corners because the lid is curved in the top left and top right. And then at the bottom, 
it's rectangular because the the lid is rectangular at the bottom. Like that looks really cool to me and really modern with the curved corners on on the top and the right. And you couldn't do that if this top bezel was super thick. It would just look stupid. So the be- the the notch being there as a trade off for that is like okay, I'll take it. The and obviously when the rumors came up on Thursday, I was like I wasn't expecting it to to happen just because. It felt like if the notch had been a thing, it would have leaked way earlier. And it, the fact it leaked late, I was like, people are just making stuff up because it's, you know, everyone's hyped. But I wasn't like opposed to it happening. I just, when I pictured it in my brain, I didn't expect the notch to be that wide or that deep. Like, it just feels so wide considering it's just basically just got a camera in it. Like, it looks thick. It looks wider than an iPhone notch. Even like the iPhone notch of pre-iPhone 13, right? And that actually has a Face ID system in it. And this is just a camera and it just seems super wide. So one conspiracy theory going around is they made it wide so that when they do add Face ID in a year or two, they don't have to make them change the notch's size. It can just be, it's just ready and ready to accommodate it when it does arrive. I don't know if that's true or not. Maybe when, obviously when these things get teared, to, teared down, we'll be able to see exactly what's behind there. It just seems slightly too wide and slightly too big for the functionality that is there. But I mean, I can't like, Getting super upset about a slightly wider notch than I was anticipating is not worth it for everything else. Like, promotion more than makes up for it, you know? Like, 120 hertz makes me so happy. So happy. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of that webcam, they've upgraded it. Yeah. It's no longer a 720p webcam. Now you've got the luxury of a 1080p webcam. They called it Ultra HD. Ultra minus Ultra. Minus ultra. <laughs> they called it the best webcam in a Mac notebook. So presumably it's not as good as the webcam up 1080p webcam in the M1 iMac. Somewhere between the old Core 9, Core 9 MacBook Pro and the M1 iMac is where this thing's going to land. Uh, I don't use the webcam in my machines too much because you know I basically work for myself, so I don't have like conference calls and stuff to do all day long. But I'm happy if it's 1080p and. If it's close to the quality of the M1 iMac webcam, I'll be happy with that. Like, I think the the M1 iMac webcam is decent, you know? Like, it's not 4K or anything, but it's decent. Uh, the the webcams of older MacBooks are kind of terrible and kind of embarrassing, so I'm glad they've actually brought it up to, you know, a decent specification. Uh, and then they say they've upgraded the microphone, so they now have a 60% lower noise floor, whatever that means. <laughs> uh, and they've upgraded the speakers so they can provide up to 80% more bass and they can offer a quote-unquote spatial audio soundstage where the speakers can push audio to the left and right and above you uh, to give you that kind of wider wider um, range. Ra- what am I trying to say? Soundscape, is that right? Soundstage, that's what I'm trying to say. So you can you can mimic a wider soundstage with spatial audio, which is great because I was impressed with... I, I, I don't own a 16-inch Mapper Pro, obviously, but I've heard it and... 16 Mapper Pro sounds great. The M1 iMac sounds great. And Apple's just been on a roll recently where every year they upgrade the microphones and the speakers and all of their products sound pretty good now for integrated speakers. So this is just going to be further along that further along that curve. Um, and then the SSDs uh, got faster. So they used to be like 3 gigabits a second read speeds. Now they're 7.4 gigabytes per second. That's about twice as fast. Uh, battery life this is interesting so despite all of the efficiency of the m1 pro and the m1 max these machines with their bigger batteries do are not the the best battery life max in existence so apple quotes 17 hours video playback on the 14 inch 21 hours video playback on the 16 inch but that's just for video playback if you look at like general you know productivity tasks it's lower it's like 11 hours and 14 hours 
still fantastic battery life for a laptop and it easily double what they had on the rated for the uh, i9 generation, right? The Intel generation. But if you're just looking at raw battery life, the M1 Max are still king. So like the 13-inch MacBook Pro or the 13-inch MacBook Air have better battery life stats than what these do. Probably a combination of the fact that these chips, you know, they're more power hungry because they're faster and they're bigger and they've got bigger GPUs. Plus, they're also driving bigger screens, you know, at higher refresh rates, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So, if you do, if you are just out there wanting the best battery life ever, you should still get like the M1 MacBook Air. But for a pro machine, you know, you can't beat the battery life on these things. The comparable Windows laptops, you know, that these things are faster by, or the one that's you know ten to fifteen percent faster, they have battery lives that are a third or a half, you know, way less than what these things can tout because of the efficiency of, of of ARM and Apple Silicon. So no complaints there from me on battery life. Finally, the price of these things. Uh, the 14-inch starts at $199. So $1,999. And the 16-inch is $2499. Um, basically, prices are directly in line with what the i9 versions were. I mean, I guess technically it's like $100 more, but you are getting... You know, a much better screen, much faster performance, better SSDs. You know, everything's better. And for a hundred dollars more, I'm not going to complain. Um, like we alluded to before, I am a bit disappointed that these don't come in black because it's the same silver and space gray color options. But what are you going to do? Are, are you uh, happier with the placement of the MacBook Pro title on the machine? Oh yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Because it used to be below the screen. And I think the bezel below the screen is still the same, but now they've just got rid of the logo. Because I don't think I don't think they advertised the bezel got thinner on the bottom. Right. There was like like a generation, well, like a year where the MacBook Pro label went it was just literally moved to the bottom of the, the computer, beneath the computer. Um, and then they moved it back with the twenty sixteen. And I remember emailing Phil Schiller saying, um, why? <laughs> Basically <laughs> and he said we do what we think looks good. And, uh, you know, okay, all right. Well, you know me, I love not seeing brands of any kind, so yeah, they can... And actually, it's kind of cool on the bottom, because it's in, it's not just, like, printed on there, they've engraved it in, like, the metal. So mm-hmm. if you yeah, look at the bottom like of the MacBook Pro, it says MacBook Pro embossed, descent, or engraved, whichever way around it is, um, which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What, what, what do you think about the overall just look of these of these machines? You know, just again, we're we're over here. We're talking about the function over the the form as as the the big thing for these machines. But what do you think about the way they look in general? I mean, they're not they're not as pretty as the 2016 generation because they're they're just not. They're slightly thicker. They're slightly boxier than like the 2016 as a, like a piece of art is prettier, right? Because it has that nice taper, it has that nice curve, it has the optical illusion when it's on a desk that it looks thinner than it is because they curve it over, so you only see like two thirds of the laptop, right? Unless you look at it on the side, dead on. These ones, they're not boxes and they're not like flat sides, but they're much more closer to that than what the 2016 generation was. Um, I like how they look. I wouldn't say they line up particularly close to like the modern like m1 imac aesthetic right because they don't have flat sides they don't have like chamfered edges or anything and they don't have crazy color options they look more like the macbook pros of like old you know like of, like 10 years ago in a way obviously they're way thinner and you know smaller than than in terms of thickness but because they're slightly thicker and they look as you know optically thicker because they don't have the optical illusion part playing a role 
they kind of remind me of like the when I, when the design first came up they the thing that popped into my head and this maybe dates me just in terms of like i don't know the super old history of mac laptops like the power books and stuff that was way before my time to me they look like aluminium versions of the white plastic MacBooks. oh like the polycarbonate MacBooks. yes yeah. yes that's what yeah. that's what popped into my head Mm-hmm. I don't know what I don't know what reference what reference point you had, but that's what they look like to me. They're aluminium versions of those, and I liked how the white plastic MacBooks look. So I'm happy with it. You know, yeah the the black plastic MacBook was supreme. <laughs> yes, it was supreme. I wish these things came in black. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> although the, the, the black plastic MacBook was not functionally supreme because yeah, it would it would crack and it would lose um, it, its coating and it, it wasn't perfect at all by no means. Um, for, for me, I think like visually the, the thing that, um, well, there's no glowing Apple logo, so they didn't go back all the way. <laughs> and, um, and, but, but it's that the screen, they still seem to prioritize the thinness of the screen, maybe because it's, you know, the basis is a little thicker than it was before. So, um, but I, I, I do think that you could you uh, on a pro machine you could say eh, it's not going to be as thin as the macbook air it's going to have a thicker display um and then you get more features you know then you get face id and um you get center stage and you don't have to compromise on those kind of features uh, um but otherwise the display is amazing i mean it makes the the pro display xdr in a lot of ways look like it's dated and long in the tooth now just on on paper um and we, when we have to hope that the next, if Apple makes a consumer display as rumored, that it will be basically the big version of this, um, and, and not you know something without one twenty hertz refresh rate or variable refresh rate and and everything. So yeah, and I don't think there's anything wrong with the external design. Like you know, obviously it's not going to look as pretty as the old one. It just, but that doesn't mean it's bad, right? Like it still looks nice. Like and it looks like way better than any Windows laptop. So like. <laughs> I'm not going to complain. Like it looks nice, but obviously, just in terms of a, a sculpture, the 2016 generation favored thinness, and that's always going to look better because they could have those, you know, nice extreme curves. Whereas this is much more like a a block, right? It's like a breeze yeah. block with just thinness and symmetry and everything. This is more utilitarian than that. Um, I I, th- I am a little like confused at. Uh, not really confused, but just in thought of, okay, so now this is the MacBook Pro. We know what the MacBook Air is. The MacBook Air has rumored to change in the future to have, you know, maybe color versions and a white bezel. And um, my guess is white bezel means no notch and, and just not as thin bezels, you know. It's more like the iMac, uh, M1 iMac. Um, See, I was thinking then, they might put a notch in it and just have a black bezel. Okay. Like, they can make it colorful on the outside and just have black bezel on the lid, you know. Yeah, that's true. Um, but but uh, yeah, but right now with with the Macs that we do know exist and that you can buy in stores, um, it really is something. It's, it, it's do you favor the the sort of industrial utilitarian look and design, or is that a turnoff to you? Do you favor the performance over battery life, or is or is that a trade off for you? You know. Um, in many ways, it makes the, the MacBook Air, which was already wonderful for $1,000, look even better. Um, yeah, I mean, that should be the number one takeaway from this event is like, as good as these machines are, and I bought one, we'll talk about it in a second, most people in the world should still buy the 999 MacBook Air, right? 
or maybe the the, the spec bump MacBook Air because that machine is so good. The M1 is way more powerful than pretty much what most people in the world ever need, right? Like for me, apart from app development, I'd be perfectly happy on an M1 machine. Um, so most people in the world should still buy that, and it's half the price of the 14 inch, and it's you know in some ways better and in many ways just as good. Like that machine is so good. Yeah, when we go through these specs for this MacBook Pro, you know they're all very impressive. Um, even compared to the M1, you know, and they've got the best versions of everything inside, basically. Um, but it, it, I think some of it, some of the appeal to me, uh, just right now, post event, is you know new and flashy, but not um, you know functionally different than than something I do now. Like if you can survive on the MacBook Air or the M1 Mac Mini or iMac, then it's there's no question that you know you can do everything you need to do. If you don't hit any any you know pain points, then um, then don't worry about the $2,000 plus machine, you know? Yeah, like, even if the M1 just supported 32 gigs of RAM, I'd probably be fine on that. Like, I'm, like Fair. Yeah. The, M1, the M1 CPU performance is way faster than my current laptop. It's just it doesn't have the upper RAM thing that I'd want from a new purchase, you know? Yeah, uh, probably the, the most uh, sort of thing, thing that I want out of this machine that isn't on a MacBook Air or um the the m1 macbook pro is the 120 hertz and mm-hmm. the variable refresh rate because yeah baby you know now that it's on the iphone and the ipad it's very appealing <laughs> and, to, and to have it on a bigger screen it feels like it would be appreciated more i think i think it's kind of a factor on the ipad it's more noticeable than on the iphone even aside from like when you first see the difference um you know and you can imagine that being very nice on the on the macbook um but uh that, that's a pro feature for now <laughs> Just like it is on the iPhone, it's a pro feature for now. So, so yeah, I don't care about the ports changing so much. Obviously, other people do, which is great. But for me, this laptop is fantastic. Like, you've got all the benefits of M1, plus it's faster than the M1. And you've got better speakers. You've got a great display, thinner bezels, 120 hertz, fantastic. Native 2X Retina. Like, what is there to complain about, really? Like, it's a really hard generation. And, I mean, maybe people get them in their hands and there's some disaster problem, which would be really sad. Just at a high level, you know, notch aside, and as we've already said, the notch has trade-offs, right? Like, it has, it's not just there for no reason. It does have better parts as well. It's really hard to criticize the machine. <laughs> like, when, the when like, my primary complaint is it doesn't come in black, like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm just so happy they've done it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what, what, do you, what do you think about uh, MagSafe 3 and the way that it works compared to MagSafe come before it or well it almost looks the same as magsafe 2 in terms of design it's just can support higher spec charging right because yeah the like incredibly the 16 inch comes with 140 watt power supply (laughs) yeah which is which is gallium nitride yeah they've they've finally done a gan charger but everyone expected them to use it to make the really small chargers like anchor and everybody else do but no their first their first gan charger is this complete whopper that is 140 watts like mm-hmm. so the magsafe because one of the i don't think we mentioned this when we we're doing the rundown but uh on the battery side these laptops support fast charging so you can get up to 50 percent in half an hour of charging on the 14 inch you can do that using the 96 watt USB-C adapter with either magsafe or USB-C because unlike magsafe 2 the magsafe cable is not attached to the power brick anymore it's just like a, it has magsafe on one end and USB-C on the other so you're always plugging into a USB-C power brick which is great for environmental reasons right because if if your magsafe cable gets frayed and you want the magsafe cable you can just buy the cable you don't have to buy all of the adapter all over again which is great so on the 14 inch 
you need the 96 watt power supply which i believe is an option at checkout so it, it, the, the default power supply is 67 watt you have to pay extra like 20 dollars extra to get the 96 watt power supply if you're buying the 14 inch um but either magsafe or thunderbolt port will char- will do full charging and it'll do fast charging on the 16 inch only the magsafe port will do fast charging uh if you charge on the thunderbolt ports on uh the 16 inch it maxes out at 100 watts so to get 140 watts you have to use the magsafe port but you can still charge from any of the ports which is great there's no problem with that just only the only restriction is if you want to do fast charging on the 16 inch you have to use the magsafe cable and that one always comes with 140 watt power supply you can't order with anything else Mm -hmm. um and so I'm not losing anything. Like one of my fears going into this event was that, oh, you're going to have to start using MagSafe for charging again. Luckily, that's not the case. You can still charge on Thunderbolt. Uh, the addition of fast charging is there if you do use MagSafe, but I'm not too fussed about that because as I've said before, a million times, I use my laptop as a desktop computer primarily. So the fast charging situation doesn't really matter. I'll just carry on charging through the dock as always. Yeah. For, for me, if I were using these machines, then then the, the, the benefit would be what you mentioned, which is that MagSafe is MagSafe to USB-C, and then you always use, have have the brick there. So if your cable gets messed up, then you just replace your cable and not the brick. Um, I mean, at 50 bucks, it's not a cheap cable, but it's cheaper than, um, you know, replacing the whole system uh, for charging. And years ago, when MagSafe was in the machines that I used, then uh, I went through a lot of MagSafe chargers because the the, the kitten I had at the time was... Love to chew those things. There's something about the dangly white cord um, was was attractive, and so I had to throw away, you know, the, the entire thing, um, brick and all, but for that reason, and and replace it. So this is you. You kind of get the benefits of moving to USB C plus the, the the benefits of MagSafe, and in some cases on the you know like on the 16 inch, you get even faster charging than you'd get with USB C right now. So uh, that's pretty cool. And I do like, by the way, that you can spec either the 14 or the 16 with the highest generation m1 max chip so you don't have to like you don't have to necessarily go to the 16 inch just to get the top spec like ssd ram m1 pro m1 max there all the options are for those are available on the 14 inch or the 16 inch and maybe by the time the reviews come out there's like maybe a slight performance advantage to get in the 16 inch just because it has got like a bigger heat sink or whatever because it's just bigger but just in terms of raw you know silicon you can spec it out identical across both sizes Mm-hmm. So what what did you uh what would you order? Well, what did you order? I didn't order anything. I'm just checking. You never know. Okay. You never know. No, uh, I would absolutely have impulse purchased one of these things. <laughs> probably probably like the base model 14 inch. Um, but the the fact is these are very expensive, and um, I have a <laughs> I have to use my money for other things sometimes. So, yep. I mean, you've you've you're using the M1 iMac right now, right? Correct, yeah. I believe the next computer you should consider is coming in the first half of 2022 because there's already rumours about a 27-inch iMac with Apple Silicon and 120 hertz display on it. So Sounds good. That'd be your, that, I think that should be your next computer, but that's probably not coming until like April. Mm-hmm. For me, obviously, this is what I've been waiting for. The 2016, I'll finally be able to retire it. Um, before I tell you exactly what I bought, I'll just do a quick recap of the buying process because easily one of the worst ones in terms of Apple Store purchasing experience just because for whatever reason, I wanted to buy immediately, right? The event ends, go onto the Apple Store. The whole thing is just down for everybody pretty much. Like, I, I don't know how Apple can 
I mean, there must have just been some weird bug because they can obviously, obviously, the the traffic to the website is way lower than it must be from an iPhone because so many people buy iPhones. The laptop demand has to be lower, even though a lot of people buy iPhones through carry stores and stuff. I'm sure raw demand to a website is just higher on iPhone Day than it is on, you know, MacBook Pro Day when the MacBook Pro starts at two thousand dollars and up. But for whatever reason, there was a weird bug with the website where it was crashing for everyone. You know, you click on a button, it'd say, "Oops!" You'd sit there. I was sitting at a loading bar for minutes and minutes and minutes at a time it was actually crazy and i think the uk store was even worse than us store because i was sitting here watching this thing spin while on twitter everybody was getting their orders in they were getting you know october 25th which is like the first day of shipping they were getting november the first and as i could see these order dates slipping and slipping and slipping i'm still just sitting here refreshing safari with the thing not loading the apple store app was up i could have bought through there but i couldn't do that because I needed to use my universal um, transition kit DTK credit, right? Because I, I was sure if I was spending as much money as I was on these things, I was sure getting my 350 quid off. So mm-hmm. I could have ordered and got day one probably through the Apple Store app, but I needed to get the 350 quid off. So I was just sitting here waiting for the store to reload. Uh, it took me about 20 minutes, but finally I got through. The credit got applied instantly like i thought that was gonna be a pain but that was like the easiest part of the whole thing i was i was just waiting for 40 minutes for to be able to get to the checkout uh, but the actual application the promo code was like seamless which was nice um so what i probably should have ordered right if <laughs> if because normally i'm pretty sensitive about this stuff right and i buy mm-hmm. literally to spec so if i was being completely um sane right what i should have ordered is a 16 inch m1 pro with 32 gigs of ram right but i was hyped up i was in the mood i've suffered with this 2016 for so long i was super excited that they added 120 and i didn't want there to be any reason why i wasn't going to get 120 hertz because i don't want to be like getting this laptop and then i don't know like expose is like lagging out and i'll feel like <laughs> gosh darn it if only i had the better gpu right do you know what i mean so <laughs> yeah but also as I said uh, slightly earlier, when I do move out, right, because I'm you know, in the middle of buying a flat at the moment, when I do move out, there is a chance that I actually do want to connect to three displays, right, at the, over the lifetime of this machine. Right now, I'm only connecting to one display. The M1 Pro Max is out of two. If I wanted three externals, I have to get M1 Max, right? So, But, but if I was just being um, sensible, what I should have ordered is M1 Pro with 32 gigs of RAM. But I was in the zone, so what I did actually buy was the M1 Max 32 core with 64 gigs of RAM (laughs) and a terabyte SSD, because I don't need more storage than that. Yeah, terabyte SSD is really reasonable. In 2016, I I spent three grand on the probably the base configuration 15-inch 2016 MacBook Pro, but with one terabyte SSD, and I loved it. Like having to never think about storage in terms of just, you know, what files you always have on your machine. It was really, really wonderful. So I know that you'll benefit from that as well. Um, of course, I didn't, I didn't keep that machine long enough to, to have it fall apart like yours has. So, but, but you're, you're investing your money in the right machine and versus one that was, um, you know, cursed from the start. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I did spend, uh, you know, more on this than I uh, probably should have in the scheme of things, but I'll be happy with it. I got my DTK credit at least. So yeah. I, I noticed, noticed a lot of people blurring out the price when they showed their order. And uh, 
yeah, they do get expensive. Some people just casually, you know, drop six and a half grand on one. And it's like, um, you know, awesome. Um, but I mean, uh, there's not much blurring the price if you can tell the spec anyway, right? Because yeah, yeah, you yeah. can figure it out. I mean, I, I will say there was a lot of bidding options that I wasn't expecting because you could have got like a 24 core or even like the base model 14 inches, like eight core, right? Mm. So there's all this, uh, all this stuff in the mix, but yeah, I'm I'm happy. Like I can't. My, the the biggest disappointment is that because of the ordering shambles, it's not coming till the 19th of November. So yeah, I got to wait and, out a bit. Some folks have had their orders uh, moved moved up, but but uh, not you, I guess. I, I well, my my original ship date was the 25th, okay. so <laughs> it has been moved up, but it's still the 19th. Okay, yeah. Um, last last question before we, we go away for the week, I, I suppose. Uh, did did you order any accessories for the MacBook Pro? Anything? Anything? I did not. I'd already spent enough money. Any anything to clean your screen? Maybe. I know what you're getting at. But <laughs> I did not order a polishing cloth. Yeah, when I when I saw someone tweet about the polishing cloth, it was when the store was not loading yet for everyone, and I really thought it was a gag. You know, it's just like. Okay, because <laughs> it was it was framed as um, you know a- Apple didn't talk about the biggest you know thing in the event from today, and uh, there's no way that's real. So we were getting ready to write about it, and I'm, really, I'm asking like, is that real? Do people see it on the site? Because I can't find it. <laughs> it was real. And then since then, there's been this whole thing where the ship dates go. You know, they keep moving backwards, and um, I think right now it's like two to three months out. <laughs> I don't know if it's because they don't make very many of these things that, you know, they, they a larger version comes with the ProDisplay XDR. So if you really are in a, in a pinch for an Apple branded cleaning cloth, then um, you can, you can spend six grand on the ProDisplay XDR and just use it for the cleaning cloth. But um, I think other, otherwise maybe, maybe look at alternatives to ways to clean your screen. Um, and, and, and but, but I do think that there should be a, a revision to the, um, designed by Apple in California book that just adds one more page for the polishing cloth. Uh, I, I don't know if it was love from, if it was Johnny Ive, but, but it fits in the book. So I think they should, should add that in there. And I'm sorry to hear that you didn't get one. I, I, I hope may, maybe next Christmas, someone will gift you one. <laughs> I don't want a polishing cloth. <laughs> I have no need for a polishing cloth. Maybe, maybe a happy hour listener will give to you. I don't want, cloth. don't do not buy a polishing cloth. I'll be fine with that one. You know, yeah. Yeah. If you want to support the show, you can subscribe. Don't buy me a polishing cloth. It's cheaper than a polishing cloth to support the show. I, I like that. All right. That is the Happy Hour podcast for this week. Uh, if you enjoy the show, you can subscribe to Apple Podcast for the ad-free version for $4.99 a month. We really appreciate the subscribers, and we appreciate anyone who listens, who supports our um, sponsors, keeps us going. And we um, love that we continue doing this so many years on from the start. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Apollo Zach. Benjamin, you're on Twitter at BZMAO. And you can email us together at happyhour at 95mac.com. And we will be back next week. Bye, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.